Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Wednesdays with Winnie. I am so, so excited to finally, finally be doing this and I cannot wait to podcast with you guys, to share my thoughts, my feelings, and to just have you guys here along for the journey with me. So before we get started, I just wanted to share a little bit about how I got into podcasting, why I decided to start a podcast, and a little bit more about who I am. Okay, so my name is Winnie, and I decided to start a podcast because, yeah, that's kind of a good question. I think I've always wanted to start a podcast. Um, Last year, I was in the process of starting one, but it just wasn't the right place or time, and I couldn't really figure out anything that I was absolutely, like, dying to talk about and that would really interest me, because I kind of felt like I had to pick, like, a niche, like, a certain thing and only podcast, like, about that one thing, and that seemed really unappealing to me, and so kind of recently I decided you know I still want to do a podcast I want to do something this summer and so I just kind of decided to go for it and along the process um I've decided that the podcast won't just be limited to one thing it'll be kind of a whole bunch of different topics maybe some heavier stuff I definitely want to get into um Christianity and kind of modern scientific practices and how those coincide and the ethics behind them but I also wanted to get into some real life stuff I am 18 so I'll be headed to Grand Canyon University in the fall which I am very very excited about but just kind of practical stuff like friendships relationships stuff like that and I want to just be really vulnerable and open with you guys and very honest and have this be a podcast where you can come and learn and go away from each episode feeling like you've learned something and just having a good time and feeling loved and supported. So a little bit about me. I Like I mentioned before, I'm 18. I just graduated high school and I own a business. I own a pet sitting and dog walking business, which I absolutely love. I love being able to run and walk dogs each day. Actually, the other day I was looking at my phone and I think I went about eight miles. So definitely a lot of exercise, which I enjoy. That aspect of it is really fun. And also working with my clients, kind of being able to have control over my schedule, even though it's very busy at the moment. And then I am also an author of three children's books, which I wrote when I was 11. And right now I'm working on my fifth, I believe. Yeah. Fifth book or no fourth. Sorry, my bad. Fourth book with my business coach, Dwayne Farnsworth. And that book is kind of like a business book for teenagers and good. And it goes over like the basics of business. So I'm working on that at the moment. It's a very long process been in the works for since I was 14 now. So four years, that book is taking quite a while more than I thought, more than we both thought, but hopefully we are hoping that will be out this year. Um, In my free time, I enjoy reading and playing soccer, and I have two sisters and one little brother, who we all tell him he's very lucky to be the only boy, but I don't know if he feels that way. And I live in Colorado, but soon to be Arizona once again. I grew up in Arizona. Sorry, I moved my mic. I grew up in Arizona, so I'm very excited to be moving back, but I will definitely, I don't know. I'm still debating whether I enjoy the heat or not. Anyways, um, let's get into the podcast. 
song. That one was my, my number one favorite. Anyways, I'm gonna drink some water before we get started. I hope you guys can't hear that. But anyways, yeah, hopefully that wasn't loud. I don't know why I'm whispering. Okay, let's get into the podcast. So this episode, we are going to be talking about grad parties and fallacies, which are two very different things. As I previously mentioned, I'm a little indecisive when it comes to the topics, but recently I just had a grad party myself and I kind of wanted to share with you guys some of my recommendations, some of my do's and don'ts, things I would do, things I would maybe not do. And just a quick disclaimer, I am by no means like an expert on this stuff. I'm probably pretty far from an expert, but this is just kind of my experiences and kind of what I thought planning it and doing certain things, certain things I'd recommend, certain things I would say, oh no, I definitely don't want that. But I thought it would be kind of helpful for you guys. My grad party, um, I was actually very stressed at the end, at the beginning of it because um, we had gone out to dinner and my dad, he had told me he was planning on making the food for the party. And so I was, I was like kind of expecting he would take like a couple hours off of work and work on the food. And then that night he was like, yeah, we're not going to have enough food for your party. And I was like, oh my goodness. I, I feel like I get so stressed out in situations where there's lack of planning. It's just kind of my personality. But that made me very, very nervous. Luckily, the next day, I found out um, there was a caterer and they were going to be doing the food for it. But everyone kept me in suspense for quite a long time about that. So, I mean, that's not really something you can change, but just a funny story. Anyways, let's get into it. So first off, um, I would really recommend at your grad party having a picture board. So a picture board, in my experience, is basically a cork board and you put all of the pictures on it, or not all of them, but some pictures on it from when you were a little kid, and you kind of just display them at your grad party. And I would definitely recommend this trend. This is a yes from me, excuse me, but I feel like it's definitely something that a lot of people like seeing, especially older family members, maybe some older people that go to your church that you invite, things like that. I feel like people just really like seeing you as a little kid. And it's also funny too, like there's some funny pictures. I think there's one picture I had on mine of me carrying golf clubs and I had the sassiest expression on my face. I was a sassy little kid. I don't know if anyone else was like that. I guess I still kind of am, but Anyways, I think it's so neat to see. And when I went to all my friends' parties, some of them had those cork boards too with the pictures of them when they were younger. And it was just so cool to see how they've grown up and what they look like when they were little. And I think that's like a pretty unique, I guess not unique, but a cool thing for your guests to see. And then number two, I think what I would also recommend is a words of wisdom book. And I've seen some people do Bibles. So like they have a Bible and highlighters and people that come to the party will highlight their favorite verse from the Bible in the book. And then you can like go back and find out what verse. And there's like a margin, I suppose that's what you call it, on the edge of the paper for people to write a note along with the verse they highlight. And then there's also a words of wisdom trend 
or yeah, I guess phenomenon of, I don't know why I said phenomena, that word did not apply. Anyways, um, where you have a light, a small book and you have people that come to your party, write advice they have for you in the book. And I was debating, it was a very hard decision for me whether I would like to do a Bible or a book. And I ended up doing a book and I think that I'm really happy with that decision. Like I would say if you have to make a decision between a Bible or the book, I would say go with the book and I'm gonna tell you why. So I think the book is better if not everyone you invite to your grad party is Christian. A lot of people aren't Christian. And while some people probably will be, the people that aren't don't feel, um, I don't know, like they're probably not very familiar with the Bible, so it might be harder for them to write, pick a verse or something, or they may not even do it just because they don't want to. And I feel like with the words of wisdom, you give people a little more freedom than just highlighting a verse. Like I would much rather have someone write a personal note to me than highlight a verse. And also I was talking to some of my friends who did this and they, um, one of the problems they felt like they had was they can't really use the Bible for anything. Like you're not going to be taking notes in a Bible that people have already highlighted. And so it kind of just sits on the shelf. And so if you have a choice between those, I would recommend the words of wisdom. The next thing I always have to, I want to talk about is food. So food, I would say if you can get a caterer, like I feel like that takes so much stress off of it, but I know that that's not an option for everyone just based on budget or like time. And so I mean, there's some bomb homemade grad food that I've eaten in this past couple months. So if your grandma like loves making a cake or potato salad or brownies or whatever, yeah, do some homemade stuff. But I feel like in certain circumstances, it's so much easier to get a caterer and then maybe make like one or two homemade dishes just so you don't have like all the pressure of like cooking, having all the food be ready when your guests get there. And it's kind of a little less, uh, I don't know the word for it. A little less crazy right before the party but another thing I've also I've also kind of realized is food is not the end-all be-all like if you just have a cake people aren't really there for the food like I don't go to a grad party like oh here ready for the food I kind of go to celebrate the graduate talk to them and so if you don't have food it's not the biggest deal I would say get a cake or something but yeah next thing I would say is games games at a grad party I feel like are kind of a must at least for me going to a couple grad parties without the games it's just kind of boring and a lot of times kids are like your friends don't really have anything to do because they can't really talk to everyone there they might not know them and so I feel like games are really helpful to like just bring all the kids especially if there's some younger kids together and give them an activity to do while everyone else is talking and a really like you don't need to go crazy on the games for my grad party I just had <clears throat> a couple decks of cards and then it, we also had cornhole and cornhole is really fun I love that game but we had cornhole then a couple decks of cards and poker chips if you don't have poker chips you can always play spoons or something with the cards but it's really fun thing for your your friends and little kids to do while you're talking to the guests and at my party that was actually something that I kind of I wouldn't say struggled with but a lot of the time I was talking to guests and not necessarily like hanging out with my friends and 
I felt kind of bad about it, like the balancing between the two. But I think in the end, you kind of have to realize your guests made the trip to see you. And you kind of have to talk to them a little more. And you can't only spend time with your friends, which I didn't even really think about it. But like, there's so many people like asking you, where are you going? What are you doing? I feel like I could have just gotten a shirt. Grand Canyon University, business administration and philosophy. No, but people are there they want to see you they want to talk to you and so it's really important to remember that that your guests took time to come and to give them the respect and courtesy they deserve in that decision so that's kind of all I have to say about grad parties and remember this is all just my tips and advice if you don't agree with anything if you want to do something differently go for it you are free to do so but I just kind of wanted to share that with you kind of what I felt about mine So the next thing we are going to get into on this episode, and I didn't write like the first part down any notes or anything, but for the second part, I definitely did because it's a little more heavy, I guess. So I'm going to take a sip of water, hang on, and then we'll get into it. So we are going to be talking about fallacies. And so if you don't know what a fallacy is, the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy defines a fallacy as... A fallacy is an error in reasoning. So basically a fallacy is a form of argument used in an argument or a debate that doesn't hold up and it's inconsistent or unlogical. And there's a a whole bunch of different types of fallacies out there. But I kind of wanted to go over with them with you guys and kind of explain them because I feel like so often when we're debating, and I know this is true for myself included, Um, I resort to unsound logic or fallacies and it's very easy like it's a very common thing to do even now that I know them I still do it I feel like as a human it's just very hard not to but fallacies kind of started and were first defined by Aristotle in an appendix of the topics which was one of the six books he wrote about kind of logic and rhetoric and He only mentioned 13 in his book, but they, his book kind of went into like dialect and rhetoric and kind of how to argue. So the first fallacy and one of the more common fallacies is the red herring fallacy. And you may have heard about this fallacy before. I think it's a very common fallacy. And also one more quick note fallacies are there are so many of them there are like hundreds people have created huge ginormous lists and so they're kind of all in some ways kind of they've been mixed together over time and separated and niched and made so tiny and specific that sometimes there's not any like hard definitions of a fallacy so the 10 I chose in this podcast were more kind of well-known but still like you there's pieces of fat one sort of fallacy in other fallacies like you might say the straw man fallacy is a part of ad logicum another fallacy that we're not going to talk about today and is a little more obscure but we're going to get started with the red herring fallacy. So the red herring fallacy is a fallacy that introduces irrelevant facts into the argument and is kind of interjected for the purpose of distracting your opponent. Oh, my voice is <laughs> its funny talking so much. But it's 
used in distracting your opponent. And here's an example of this. So say two people are debating whether police brutality is relevant, is relevant in relation to crime and the de- and using demographics of like committed crimes and the people that committed them that were arrested. So like say they're talking about the number of arrests for murder and then they're talking about like 50 two percent of black people were arrested and the other 48 percent were white and three percent were of another ethnicity and so they're talking kind of about that stuff and one of the arguers brings up systemic racism so in this instance where we're talking about whether or not racism is linked specifically in police brutality with the demographics of a certain arrest group um systemic racism like practices in society of like kind of institutionalized racism and i'm a little hesitant to go there because i feel like systemic racism is such an undefinable term but it's not really necessary in that specific thing where you're arguing about crime rates and police brutality in relation to that systemic racism is more of a broad um, unnarrow sort of topic on that. And so introducing it into the argument really doesn't serve to help the argument or to make it more clear instead of like just saying, oh, well, do you think systemic racism relates to this? That's kind of moving the argument away from discussing police brutality in demographics of like 52% of murders are committed by black people. Well, the population of black people is only 13%. So, I mean, it could be relevant, but in most cases, red herring fallacies can easily be confused with relevant information. So it's kind of something that's a little bit harder to pick through and to determine. Systemic racism could be valid in another argument where it was a little more broad, but in this case, it's not really. And I hope I'm explaining these well, but I'm trying my best. The second fallacy that I decided to define is a straw man fallacy. So this is a very common fallacy as well, and it's basically known as weakening your opponent's argument and twisting their words to make someone's argument less strong. So like making basically what the title is, like making like making someone's argument into like straw, something you can easily push down or argue against. So say someone says, I think welfare contributes in some places to the lack of motivation to search for a job. And the opponent says, oh, so my opponent believes no one should receive welfare. So this is just kind of drawing a conclusion and then painting the argument in a very, very negative light, which really wasn't what your arguer said. So you have to pay, and when you're arguing, pay attention that you're not doing that to someone else's argument and you're not like selectively choosing which or like defining their argument in a way they didn't define it. The third fallacy I decided to go with is, I don't know why I keep saying I decided. Anyways, add populum or the bandwagon fallacy and I took Latin I took one one semester I believe of Latin so I'm kind of get geeky about the Latin terms but ad populum or the bandwagon fallacy is saying something is true because a lot of people do it and this is wrong (laughs) for multiple reasons but for example most people spend a lot of time on Instagram therefore it must be good to spend time on Instagram uh 
that doesn't sound right to me. You can say apply it to a bunch of different things. It's basically the argument like everyone is doing it, so it must be good, which we know is not the case. Just because everyone is doing something doesn't necessarily mean that it's morally right or good or something we should do. The fourth fallacy is circulus in probando or circular reasoning. And an example of this is if the Bible is God's word and it tells us God wrote it, we should trust it. So basically, if the Bible is God's word, then it is right. If it is right, then it is God's word. It's, so that doesn't really answer any question of why we should appeal to the Bible as a form of authority. Like, it would be one thing if we were to go back and prove the validity of the Bible, but it's wholly another to just circularly <laughs> say that five times fast, circular, use circular reasoning to make a point like that because it's not very logical and it does not make sense because it's basically stating what's already said in a circular way. Okay, so fallacy number five, ad hominem or the attack of character. This is such a common fallacy. And one note about this fallacy is it's not just attack. In some cases, it is good to attack someone's character, not to attack it, I mean, but in like a court case where you're trying to prove someone is guilty, that is kind of necessary. So in some instances, it's not a fallacy to do this. But the ad hominem fallacy is an attack on character where it does not matter and is not relevant. So basically attacking someone instead of their idea. And a lot of times this shows you don't have anything else to attack or argue against their idea, so you're going to attack them. And that's kind of a sign that your argument is weaker. And this, it would be like kind of, so someone's arguing that it would be good to give homeless people meals, like for the city to pay for breakfast for a certain population of homeless people each week. And then their arguments like, and then their opponent (laughs) argument, then their opponent says, well, that's not right. You don't know if that's right because one time you stole something. That is not very relevant. In, in that argument at all and it's kind of attacking that um like that person saying it would be right or it's a good thing to do this based off their character which isn't doesn't strengthen your argument so the sixth fallacy is the slippery slope fallacy and i always have trouble with this one but basically this fallacy assumes or exaggerates the negative effects or causes of an idea without offering logical proof that these effects or causes will happen. So for example, if we give people relief checks, pretty soon they will stop working. Um, mm, that's not really a good reason to withhold relief checks. I mean, there's not much proof that you can prove that in the future it's one thing if you can like back that up with like oh Pete, this percentage of people that got relief checks aren't working but it's another to claim that without evidence so if you provide evidence it's not a fallacy but you need to make sure you provide that evidence Number seven is what I call the either-or fallacy, and this fallacy reduces a complex argument to two choices. So, for example, parents should either let their children spend every waking moment on their phone or not allow them to have phones. 
this is another problematic one because there's obviously more options. You can give your child screen time. You can uh, let them have their phone for an hour a day. It's not, oh, every second of the day, allow them to be on their phone. There's other solutions and presenting only two actually minimizes the complexity of the argument, which is not something we want to be doing either. Sorry, I just put my mic. Whew, I'm gonna grab a drink. This tight talking, talking is hard. So that is, yeah, that that's also goes back to like reducing complexity or making a complex argument simple, which is another fallacy. But yeah, number eight is argumentum ad ignorantium or an appeal to ignorance. So the appeal to ignorance is basically saying, well, you ke- there's not enough proof for this, so it's not true, or there's not enough proof for this, so it is true. So either one of those statements where there's not enough proof, obviously you can't draw a logical conclusion, but this fallacy does exactly that. It draws a logical, a, no, not a logical, a conclusion where there isn't proof. So, for example, you can't prove God exists, therefore, he doesn't exist. Or, you can't prove God, or we can't prove God doesn't exist, so therefore, he exists. Either one of these is not correct because it rests on the presumption that a lack of evidence inherently means something is or isn't true. Um, So, in this case, not much evidence is provided either way, so you can't really come to a logical conclusion based on that. So the ninth fallacy is confirmation bias. So confirmation bias, every human in the world, I feel like is prone to this one. We all do it whether we're trying to or not, and it's just the way we're kind of wired. But we can do things to mitigate or minimize our confirmation biases. Um, But an example of confirmation bias would be like not seeking objective facts or ignoring information that goes against your beliefs or ideologies that you subscribe to. Um, So say you were a fan of COVID vaccines, but you refuse to look at any negative reactions or problems with the vaccine. Or the other way around, say you were very against COVID vaccines, but you didn't want to look at any good things about them and you only focused on the bad and were like, there's nothing good about the vaccines or everything about them is wonderful. Both of these kind of ignore the facts and it's very important to do your research and be informed on both sides of an issue before you make a decision. And this not only helps your arguing, it also helps you to be more informed on what your opponent may be thinking. If I only look at facts that support my argument, what if my opponent says something that doesn't? I'm not going to be very informed on that. And so that's why it's important to recognize our confirmation bias and do what we can to look up other facts, maybe other sides of the story. And even if we don't agree with them, even if they make us uncomfortable, we need to be informed. And if it, our side is the truth, of course, reading these will help illustrate that. But if it's not, it may lead us to different conclusions and help us in being more open-minded. So the 10th fallacy is a hasty generalization. 
So this is kind of like generalizing a broad group or stereotyping and just saying something like, oh, all of the young people today are so rude to old people. (laughs) That's not very true. Um, It would be much more effective to say, it seems like most young people today aren't as respectful as they used to be. So using a hasty generalization is very easy because it gives your opponent something to target. They could say, oh no, I'm a young person. I feel like I'm polite to old people. But if you don't make a hasty generalization, you don't need to waste time arguing over that hasty generalization. So just use a qualifier like most, often, some of the time, like simple things like that can really help to avoid hasty generalizations. And where where something is true, like for example, hmm, the sky is blue. I don't think anyone can argue that. Most of the times it's blue. You, You don't need to worry about that. So there are you have to make sure you're not turning everything into a hasty generalization. But for the most part, this is such a common fallacy. We all make it all the time. So just kind of recognizing that some situations it's right, some it's not. And yeah, okay. So that is all my notes. Hopefully that made sense. Hopefully that kind of will help you guys. But the last part I want to mention about fallacies is the word fallacious. And this got me so hard when I started learning about fallacies because I don't know why I feel like philatical was the correct word to use like oh that's a philatical statement instead of fallacious and I did not know fallacious was correct until very recently so if you are going to refer to a fallacy or say that argument is fallacious just wanted to inform you fallacious not philatical even though philatical sounds cool fallacious is the the correct terminology for that okay so now that we've gotten through the episode i hope i did not talk too fast i hope I sounded clear enough in the mic, but if I didn't, this is only my first podcast, so please just give me grace in this, and I am so excited to do more podcasts with you all, and I can't wait for just enjoying this, having this outlet to talk to you guys, and you guys to be there and enjoy. I decided also that at the end of each week, I want to do a verse of the week. So a Bible verse at the end of each week. And the verse this week actually came from a bracelet that I have that my aunt gave me. Bible verse in the inside of it. I'm just going to read that for you guys now. Be strong and steadfast. Have no fear or dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who marches with you. He will never fail you or forsake you. And that is Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. Okay, so that concludes the very first episode of the podcast. And just as an end note, if you could rate and review the podcast, that would mean so much to me. It helps to know if you enjoyed it or if you don't didn't enjoy it, please let me know. 
Um, but yeah, it also helps on the ratings and how far it goes up in the charts on iTunes and Spotify. I'm not thinking anything huge, but your feedback would just be super helpful. And hopefully next week I will be able to like get that into an edited outro and intro so I don't have to say anything. But anyways, see you next Wednesday.